The Fields Auto Group proudly presents Huddle Up, Huddle Up. with Bucky Brooks, <laughs> Ashland Sullivan, John Osher, and NFL Network analyst and former Jaguar Bucky Brooks bring you the latest on your Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome to the new era. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks starts right now. Welcome into the Huddle Up podcast. Ashlyn Sullivan, Bucky Brooks, and John Osier here from the Indianapolis Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, live from Radio Row. And we are on day two of our Jaguars.com coverage. Two more days to go, but Bucky, I have a feeling you'll be here all week. I will be here all week, and I'm excited about it. I'm so excited. This is my favorite time of year. It's my favorite time of year because not only do we get a chance to see all of these prospects that will eventually be the stars of tomorrow, it's a convention of sorts. We get to be uh, yeah. around all the football people. I get to see all the coaches and the scouts and kind of figure out who's who and what's what, the trends. It's the only time we are all in the same spot. And what's your, uh, in terms of, it's a JAG show. I know you're a national guy, but a JAG show. Big deal. Is there a uh, any sort of a buzz that you're hearing that maybe we wouldn't be hearing? When people talk about the JAGs right now, what are they saying? Well, I mean, I think everyone is excited about Doug Peterson coming back. I think the excitement is because people know that he's a proven commodity as a coach and however it ended in Philadelphia, I don't think that put any stain or tarnish on who he is as a coach. I think people are excited to see about what, see what he does with the quarterback because he's been able to get every quarterback that he's touched in Philadelphia up and going. And so I think there's a lot of excitement about what he brings to the table. And then the staff that he's assembled is a really well-respected staff. Mm -hmm. We spoke to him this morning about the interview prospects of the draft, and he's been doing this now for 13 years, he said, at the NFL Combine. And it was funny, I just, I assumed he was so busy. And I was talking about that, and he's like, yeah, Ashlyn, we're really not that busy here. It's a lot of downtime that I didn't realize for a coach that it's a lot of hurry up and wait kind of this week. Oh, absolutely. Particularly when they flip the schedule at the Combine, and they made it where the interviews are during the day, the workouts are at night. It has kind of changed everybody's equilibrium because it's so different than you know we're, we're creatures of habit we're used to things being a certain way things have been a certain way for like 40 years and so now you've changed it and so it is a lot of downtime so i think coach peterson is not alone in times of trying to figure out like the hurry up and wait thing it's been weird for everybody trying to figure out this new way to exist in the combine with the new changes and mm-hmm. things that we have going to the event so tell me bucky now that we're here and we're two months from the draft who you got? Who you got at number one? Oh, <laughs> so here's the thing. Very, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm conflicted. I'm, I'm conflicted in terms of what would be best for the team, short-term and long-term. There's a part of me that says Aiden Hutchinson would be so great to go opposite Josh Allen. Aiden Hutchinson, to me, is exactly what you want at the position. He's Look, he's not only a tremendous athlete, and people are going to be surprised at the athleticism because he, he's going to shock people when he works out. But he is a nonstop, high-motor kid that can do everything. That said, when I think about Doug Peterson and what he said about the quarterback and getting the quarterback right, to me it's all right, offensive tackle, you get two, you have two offensive tackles at bookend, the quarterback's protected, you build the offense around Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence gets going, you put a couple more playmakers around it, you do it. So then that's why Evan Neal pops up. Um, Iki Iquanu is a consideration at that pick just because he is just a massive man who's a mauler brawler brings toughness so that's what it is i think regardless it's gonna be a big it's either gonna be a pass rusher or it's gonna be a guy that can protect the passer here's the amazing thing about this time of year and the combine i completely get what you're saying and yet there's also this other school of thought right now with trent balky and uh 
Doug Peterson, that guy, Shalane. Yeah, Doug Peterson. Uh, on our air yesterday and uh, talking to people at the Combine, talking about the necessity of having this franchise start signing their own guys. Um, that leads me to believe re-signing Cam Robinson could be a priority. Maybe you have Walker Little on the right side and you go Aiden Hutchinson mm. in the first round. So I guess that's what's fascinating about the Combine. I have no way of knowing if what I, if what I just said will happen or not. But that idea makes perfect sense to me, as yours makes perfect sense to me. There's a lot on the Jaguars' front that I think is going to get determined in the next 10 days when we figure out what they're doing with Cam Robinson, what they're doing with DJ Chark. Uh, those feel like tipping points to me, and we'll know a lot more about how the dominoes fall after that once those happen. Okay, so now the easiest way to get it up and going is you're looking at Cam Robinson and you're trying to determine, okay, how well did he play? Is he good enough? Because in recent years, um, we're seeing you don't necessarily have to have an elite offensive line mm -hmm. to get to the Super Bowl. So let's just say you sign Cam Robinson back, whatever the deal is like, because the cap money is there. So now you have him. Now it does give you an opportunity to go and say, all right, who can I put opposite of Josh Allen who can be a guy, who can be a guy that can impact the game? And you love Hutchinson over Thibodeau. I do. Yeah. I do because, like, if, if we're talking about it. So here, here's the thing when we talk about the number one pick. And it's not necessarily about hitting a home run. It's about making sure that I don't strike out. I don't think you strike out with Aiden Hutchinson. Boring an injury, the guy's wired the right way. The guy comes in, having done it. And had, remember, his dad played at Michigan, so he had to always live in the shadow of that, and he exceeded it. And then the way that he played this last year, he kind of put that defense on his back in terms of his pass rush ability. And I know because Jacksonville were down there in the SEC in Georgia and people saw Michigan and Georgia, and there were a couple plays where Hutchinson didn't necessarily make it. When you watch that entire game, they were committed to making sure he was a non-factor, slid the protection over to him. So when I think about what the Jags need, Hutchinson opposite Allen, two hard-playing players on that defense, to me, makes sense. That sounds like a very good option. Lots of options for number one right now at the Scouting Combine. We'll be back on the Huddle Up podcast. Much more to come on Jaguars.com. Welcome back to the Huddle Up Podcast. Bucky Brooks, John Osier, Ashlyn Sullivan here from the Scouting Combine live in Indianapolis. And we're talking all about that number one overall pick. And Bucky, it seems like whether they go offensive line or defensive end, both are great options. And you can't really lose there, but I'm hesitant to say that. Well, I'll interrupt because I right, love asking the scout the question. <laughs> it's my thing. It's, it, the scout. it's why I love my weekly access to Bucky Brooks' mind. <laughs> you know, this, to me, Bucky, seems like your classic case of everybody before the draft is going to be talking about do you go offensive line or defensive line and draft talk always frustrates me on that front because the bottom line is you're not selecting a concept you're making sure you get a good player within mm -hmm. that and it, it, i guess i got lost a little bit in the question but i think you know what i'm getting at don't just take an offensive line because oh, we need an offensive lineman this guy has to be a 10-year player Yes. You have to make sure that you're getting special at that spot. And I think sometimes when fans talk about these sort of questions, it's, it's a logical question, but if a guy can't play, who cares about the position? Yeah, ideally in a perfect world, you wanted to line up where when you have the number one pick, you have a superhero sitting there wide, waiting for you at a position of need. And so when I look at 
offensive line versus pass rusher, I would say that the offensive line is very good. I can't say that there's a Tony Vaselli in the class. Very good, but I can't say that when Tony was drafted, everyone knew, sure. okay, this is a pillar, a yes. franchise player. He's going to be a guy who has the potential to end up being a gold jacket guy, which he just uh, received. With Aiden Hutchinson, I also can't say that he is necessarily like a shoe-in to be one of those guys that we know. And so now it comes down to when you're weighing Hutchinson, and I, always, I need to remember to include Thibodeau in there. Hutchinson, that's the case, then it does come down to position more. It, I got you. It, it, yeah, so, so now it comes down to, okay, like, which one do you feel is going to give you the, more, the most bang for your buck? Who's going to make the biggest impact? To me, the pass rusher mm-hmm. would make more sense. But it's all part of the plan because this would have to be the conversation where Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson are saying in the team-building process, how are the dominoes going to fall? Okay, hey, we're going to sign Cam Robinson. Cool. Let's take the tackle off so now we can get Hudson. Because a lot of times when we do these exercises, it's a lot of the if-then. Hey, guys, if we do this, then we can do that. Mm-hmm. So which pairing – would you like? Would you like the pairing of Cam Robinson and Aiden Hutchinson, or would you rather have the pairing of Evan Neal and whoever the mysterious pass rusher that's on the other side of Josh well, Allen? And it also it does allow you. You know the Jaguars don't have enough good players, mm-hmm. and this route allows you to have good player in Cam Robinson still there, and add another good player in Aiden Hutchinson, or or you know yeah. whoever they would happen to take. The other route has Cam Robinson leaving, replacing so you lose him a player. Yeah, you lose a with player. good player, Evan Neal, and then no other good player. You know, so in that sense, if you're a general manager trying with an entire roster on your whiteboard, that allows you to have two guys rather than one in that theory. It does, it does make more sense. And so there are a couple of things coming off of that point. One, this would be Doug Peterson leaning on Trent Baalke to, for him to say, okay, how good is he? Mm-hmm. All right, how good is he at the number that he wants? And Balky goes back, can you work around his deficiencies? Is he good enough for us to resign him, and can you work around his deficiencies? Because if you can work around his deficiencies, we can win with it because that's what good coaches do. They understand what the player is, they're very clear about what he is, and then they work around that part of it. For us, and I think what we have to do is we have to look at the Jaguars, the race to 10. To be a championship-caliber team, you have to have 10 to 12 blue chip players. So how many can we get and accumulate to get to 10? Because we go all the way back to 2017 and we kind of dialed them up, we we're kind of close to that point. So we got to get back to do we have 10 blue chip players on the roster? Because if you have 10, that gives you a chance to compete at a title level. Mm-hmm. But then my question Seems is... Seems like a long race, Buck. Yeah. If you keep Cam Robinson, say you go down that route... You can't just be, in my mind, you can't just be content then with the way the offensive line stands right now. Mm-hmm. I would see you have to move Walker Little to right tackle and kick Juwan Taylor has, out. Yeah, I think, that, I think that has to be a part of the equation. The other part has to be, what do we feel about the interior part of the line? Because then the next domino is, so let's say we can move Walker Little in at right tackle. We have Cam Robinson. What are we doing with Taylor? Is Taylor kicking inside? Mm-hmm. Or are we moving him on and then trying to find a way to reshuffle the deck yeah. on the inside and is that in the draft is that via free agency all of those things but we're uniforming 
the offensive line has to be rock solid so the quarterback can play at a high level. Yeah, it just from what Doug Peterson said on Monday, Cam Robinson will tell us everything we need to know about that offensive line. If he stays, they got to shuffle. If he doesn't stay, all right, they're probably drafting offensive line. Yeah. That's yeah, what, at I mean, least that's, what it seems. I mean, that, that's it. And so a lot of it is like what that num- what does that number look like? And are you – and this can be hard sometimes for general managers when you're kind of too close to it. He's not perfect. How much do I want to pay for imperfection? Yeah. Am I so stubborn that I, I just can't in my head get around? Because look, more cap space. So the number's going to be big. It's going to be bigger than anybody wants. But are you willing to maybe even overpay for the continuity than to, A, I want to go shop? And so the evaluation now becomes Cam Robinson versus Evan Neal, Iki Iquanu, Charles Cross, what they can be versus that. Mm-hmm. That's right. it. And, and then, again, if you go that route, you're getting that guy, but then you have so many needs elsewhere. So it, it's a big picture issue as well. So yeah, yeah it's, it, it's a big picture issue. And then, okay, what was the other pass rusher opposite Josh Allen look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are we still holding our hope on Caleb on chasing to be a guy? Are we holding our hope that anybody else that currently is on the roster can be that which guy? Which means amazingly how they feel about Hutchinson could dictate Cam Robinson's future. Yep. Yeah. A lot of a lot In of it can. Yeah. A lot of so a lot that's, of, that's a lot of it can. Now I will say this. Um, years ago, Trent was able to get uh, Alden Smith, and he drafted him high, which was a franchise-defining selection yeah. at the time. And it was it was a bit of a risk because no one knew coming off the last year that he had. So I will give. Let's give Balky the benefit of the doubt in terms of being able to identify pass rushers. And so, in looking at the guys with traits and those things, can they figure out, hey, man, I feel stronger about being able to draft and identify a pass rusher. Let's go this route because I have a tendency to be able to get those guys right mm-hmm. and then go that way. Lots of talk, pass rusher, offensive line. We have not talked about wide receiver yet, the need for speed, which is an obvious need for the Jaguars. We'll talk about that next on the Huddle Up podcast. We're back on the Huddle Up podcast. Bucky Brooks, John Osier, Ashlyn Sullivan, live from the scouting combine in Indianapolis. It is quite obvious the Jaguars need more playmakers. Now, they're obviously not going to take that at number one overall. They're sitting again at 33. Bucky, does it make sense there? It seems like it would, but you can't really reach up for that. How does that shake out with a wide receiver? Yes, they need a receiver. And I'm going to say this because you say the need for speed. I'm saying the need for a number one. I don't believe the Jaguars have a true number one receiver on the roster right now. DJ Chark was great, but he's been inconsistent. And I don't think his skill set is conducive to be the guy that is the anchor of the passing game. Mm -hmm. This has to be a situation where you have a true number one, a guy that you can consistently count on to be a guy that can deliver 75 to 80 receptions, 12 to 1,300 yards, and make an impact. So at the top of the second round, in a deep and talented wide receiver class, yeah, I think that has to be the move. And even if you have to move from 33 into the bottom of the first round to get your guy, I think you have to make sure that you get a guy, a a legitimate guy. And if he's fast and all that, great. Mm -hmm. But he needs to be a consistent pass catcher who can get open and we don't have questions about. And that may play into what we're talking about in the sense of, you know, trying to play the guy behind the curtain here. You keep Cam. You draft your edge rusher, mm-hmm. and then you can come back and feel secure about going wide receiver at 33. You draft Neal, then do you feel pressure to come back and take some element of pass rusher late in the yeah. f- or early in the second, thereby pushing 
a receiver option deeper in the draft, top of the third is probably not a place to get a, a number one wide receiver where you have a shot at it um, at the top of the second. Uh, how do you feel about there's some injured wide receivers who could potentially be ones? Mm-hmm. Give me this draft. I, uh, Jamison Williams. Yeah, kid from Alabama. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah Jamison um, Williams. Yes. Probably fits that the best. Uh, if if you put on your GM hat, is that <laughs> something mm. that makes sense to do? Uh, because that's certainly long-term need over short-term greed, if you will. Yeah. Long-term um, possibility over short-term in, in, need. In, in this situation, I would probably pass on the injured receiver in Jamison Williams for the Jaguars because what I want – I want my quarterback to play well right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how long it will take for Jamison Williams to come back and be the player that can improve the quarterback. I am more in line with I want to get Trevor up and going. I want to get him a receiver that he can depend on. That there's enough know. guys in the draft to go away from there, one and have others. Yeah, that we can go. And it's also part of a thing where if I'm going into it, I think it's a position where you double, maybe even triple down on it, meaning – if I can, I want to sign a veteran in free agency because we saw, mm-hmm. like, when you look at the young quarterbacks that have had success, it's always accompanied a veteran kind of coming over. Josh Allen's game skyrocketed when Stefan Diggs was traded and acquired. Um, you think about some of the other guys who've had success, you get them a veteran receiver because it's dependable, it works. Mm-hmm. So then you come back, say you get the veteran in free agency, whoever that is. Then you have two. I think you draft two in the draft within the first three rounds. One, that you expect to be the number one receiver. So maybe that happens in 33. And then maybe in the third round, fourth round, you come back and get another one. I think you have to throw multiple resources because we saw by all accounts, like the receiver core that we had last year was not up to stuff. Mm -hmm. And so we have to make sure that we have a true number one. And then I think you need a speed demon, like a big play threat, someone that can like make home runs, someone that if you're checking because – People talk about stats, but I would say, look, when you're looking at these prospects, someone who is averaging over 15 yards per catch. Because if they're averaging over 15 yards per catch, that means they've caught a ton of big plays, and that matters. I think they need a big play threat. And from what you're talking about, there's 12 picks in this draft for the Jaguars. I think it's four in the sixth round. Yeah. I don't know if those do you much good at the at number 33 to move up. Maybe a little. But they could do you a lot of good with the first pick of round three yep. if you're trying to move up a few spots to get a target guy or in those mid-rounds. I'm not, I've never yeah. been sure the teams really want a sixth-round pick in exchange for something to move up into the first round. Yeah, but maybe like, in those mid-rounds, if Trent sees people he likes, that's where you use that equity uh-huh. to move around a little bit. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's a, that's a very good point. What you want to do is you want to take some of the equity in the bottom rounds and see if you can pawn it and spend it. And it might be part of a series of trades. A, let Which me trade, he likes to do historically. Yeah, yeah, let me trade a couple sixes to gain another fifth. So then I can pawn that fifth and move up and continue to kind of move it up. But it has to be these things where you're always working to get it done. But it has to be, and we're committed, like, to this, like we have to have multiple guys that can do it. Now, I think the conversation where they talked about LaVisca Chenault over the past few days mm-hmm. and how we got to get him the ball and do those things, well, to me, I'm like, okay, well, pencil him in. So he's there, and I assume that Marvin Jones still has another year. I believe he's got one more year. Yes, one more year. Mm-hmm. So deal. He, he'll be there. So that, that's kind of two of your guys that we assume that will be there. So now you got to go and get the other two. And I think the big question mark is 
What did the Jaguars really feel about DJ Chark? I think it's a huge question. And, and, and it's I, hard, you know, yeah. I, I don't have a feel for that one. I really don't because it's tough to because the coaches have changed so much over the years. So it's hard to know how the position coaches feel about him. Most of those guys are gone. So, and, and how they felt doesn't really matter that much. So I, I love DJ. I, I, I do wonder if you can pay him what he'll bring on the market uh, not knowing what he has been so far. I, it, it feels like that's so, so, an easier thing for another team to do than your current team. I hope I'm wrong. I'd love nothing more than to cover DJ Chark for two or three more years. Yeah. But I think that's a possibility. I think the, I think the, the smart thing to do if you're the Jags is you don't compete against yourself. Let him hit the market and let the market determine what his value is. Those guys never come back, Buck. They never come back. I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't overpay for that, though. I, I hear you. I, I so you're him. saying don't franchise tag him, test it. Oh, no, no. The franchise tag is $19 million? No, yep. no, no, no. we got to yep. let him go. Let him go. Like, yeah, the like tag we, makes more sense for Cam because it's yeah, a 16. Tag Cam, not not a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Like, not, Amazingly not a wide enough, receiver. the second tag on an offensive tackle now almost makes sense because mm-hmm. you would think that would be much higher. And it, tag it, him, yeah. Make and sure, it's not. So make sure he, he's not going. But the wide receiver – I believe you can find that. I, f- I believe you can find it's easier to find a DJ Chark more so than a Cam Robson. Well, it seems like it's all about what DJ will take. I mean, if you can come to a deal with DJ and give him the money that you guys can come to a compromise with, great. But it seems like DJ is willing to, to test out and see what he can get as well. I think so. I just wonder what the market, like he didn't play last year. I just wonder what the market is out there. I, I, I'm never good at predicting market because it, it skyrockets so fast. I think a factor there too, though, is, you know, if I think if DJ Chark had had played with Trevor two or three years, I think that could be a factor. The reality is, if DJ Tark does not return, you're not losing very much experience with him. He played with him four games. Yeah. Yeah. So the the idea of bringing in a free agent veteran to play with Trevor, it, there's not a lot of pro and con there difference between no. a DJ Tark, if you follow me. There's not a whole lot of no. learned experience. If DJ and Trevor play together even a full season, you may factor that into more. I I don't think well, that would be, be a there would be a, favor. There would be a comfort factor. Yeah. Like because if you I'm went sure to the, if you went factor. to sixteen, if you went to Trevor Lawrence after they had played a full year, it would probably be harder for them to be like, oh, let my guy yeah. go. But now because you don't necessarily have that built-in equity, right? It changes, and so it's I mean, one it's of those still there a little bit, but, but probably not enough to shape the conversation. Yeah, yeah. So now we have to kind of wait it out. But I think you have to prioritize. Got to take care of the offensive tackle situation because that domino affects the other dominoes when it comes to the top of the draft. And then the DJ situation is, hey, let's see what it looks like. Let's see what the negotiation looks like. He may not like it because this is always hard when we come to players and we talk about, hey, you know, we're going to let the market, like, go test the market. We'll see. Just give us opportunity to come back. Usually that that guy goes in the market with a chip on his shoulder and then come back. And and there is a risk, because I will say this to Buck, I don't know if he's elite number one guy, but there's a huge risk on the Jaguars' part. You let him go. He has the talent and ability to be a really, really good player for three or four years in this league. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a risk I let him go if they do that. No, he absolutely does. Now, the thing is – He hasn't done it, and that's what causes hard, the – The yeah. last two years. Right. We haven't seen it. So last year, because of the injury, and the other year, like the consistency, the numbers just weren't there, so it just right. makes it hard. Yeah, it's, it's a tough call. I mean – I have fans write in to me about this all the time saying it's a no-brainer decision to bring DJ Chark back. If you're really sitting in that GM chair, 
I don't see that one as a no-brainer. I think that is a really tricky call for Trent mm-hmm. Baalke. Yeah, Absolutely. I think so. All right, Bucky, what's the rest of your week look like? Uh, you know, just more conversation. More talking, talking ball. Talking, talking ball, ball. Just, you know, hanging out, catching up, doing all the other stuff. And your on-field coverage, right? On-field, so we're doing uh, trying to hype combine, you up here. combine today. We're doing the pregame show on the Combine on all of NFL's digital platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, that will go from 3 to 4 Eastern time. And then during the event, I'm grabbing guys, getting interviews, and kind of accumulating that. And I'll do a little plug here for Bucky. It, he's really, really good on our air all throughout the year. Uh, he's really, really good in our written content leading up to the draft, which we'll be doing again this year mm-hmm. as we get closer to the draft. So look for some uh, positional breakdowns. Yeah. I write a little bit. I, I'm just kind of filling space. Bucky does some great analysis in that, and it'll be coming up on Jaguars.com as we move forward to the draft. Yes. Oh, I like it. I like you it. realize what a big deal Bucky Bucky didn't Brooks. know he was doing that until I just told yeah. him. Yeah, I like it. He's employed. Like it. Just you see him walking around this radio row, and you realize Bucky Brooks is a big deal around here. He knows what he's doing. It's just my dance card. It's just my dance card. If my dance card is full, it won't be the rest of the year. Absolutely. Well, thank you for tuning in to the Huddle Up podcast. Bucky Brooks, John Ozier, Ashlyn Sullivan, live from the Scouting Combine. Stay with us on Jaguars.com for our continued coverage. <laughs>